Hello, Leatherman. You're listening to the Dare Daniel Podcast, where you send us your most sadistic movie dares, and we suffer the consequences for your amusement. I'm Corky McDonald, and I'm a macho-ass village man. And with me, as always, is Daniel Barnes, film critic for the Sacramento News and Review, and a member of the San Francisco Film Critic Circle. Hi, everyone. As Corky said, on this show, we do your dirty work by watching the most unwatchable movies you can imagine, and then we review and rate them on our unique system. Your run-of-the-mill bad film, that gets a dare. Double dare goes to the truly next-level atrocious movies, and we reserve the reverse dare for those despised movies that are actually pretty good. Today on the podcast, we'll be reviewing the 1980 Nancy Walker movie, Can't Stop the Music, starring The Village People and Steve Gutenberg. But before we get started talking about the movie, Daniel, in addition to being a film critic, is also a beer critic and he's gonna introduce us to the beer that we're gonna be drinking today another new glory beer i'm not sure i don't think we've had this one before it is called astro haze is another hazy ipa 6.2 percent alcohol by volume northeast ipa with flaked oats and australian galaxy hops it's a very murky pale yellow fluffy white head i would say the bitterness is very measured it's got kind of a tropical flavor very juicy just delicious hazy beer from new glory yeah i'm a fan of this this goes down smooth Speaking of goes down smooth, village people. What a seamless segue. (laughs) This was the first movie to ever win the worst picture at the Razzies or the Golden Raspberry Awards, uh, which is the annual awards given out to the worst movies in Hollywood. It was basically a dinner party that was held after the Oscars uh, in the living room of John Wilson, uh, who is a Hollywood publicist. And the first year, there were three dozen people. There were twice as many in the second year. There were twice as many as that of the third year. And That's then awesome. After a few years, like CNN was covering it, and then it was sort of a real thing. Like you can't, this is not in anyone's living room anymore. And now yeah. it's like an annual event, and it's it's become sort of a ritual for you know a star who so like Halle Berry, for example, won for Catwoman. I think she accepted year, right the year after she won the Oscar <laughs> for Monsters Ball, and yeah, she went there and accepted. Um, but anyway, at the very first Razzie Awards, Can't Stop the Music got seven nominations, uh, one, two, including Worst Picture, Worst Screenplay, and director Nancy Walker was uh, also nominated. What's kind of interesting about the first year and how they didn't go for easy targets, here's some of the other people nominated. Stanley Kubrick, Worst mm. Director for The Shining. Nancy Walker, who directed this movie and who is actually better known for her TV work Mary as Tyler an Moore actress, show. Mary Tyler Moore and Rhoda. Um, she was the bounty quicker picker upper yeah, lady. That's, right. that's probably what most you know people our age would remember her as. But she actually, this was her one lone feature film directing credit. But in the best director category, she had some good company. Stanley Kubrick for The Shining, William Friedkin for Cruising, Michael <laughs> Ritchie, uh, John G. Avildsen, Michael Ritchie, who directed like Bad News Bears, and Wildcats, the, yeah, Fletch, uh, John G. Avildsen, the Oscar winner for Rocky, <laughs> like, and Nancy and Walker, Nancy Walker. <laughs> her lone director credit. So anyway, yeah, this uh, film came out. This was actually kind of expected to be a hit. I think they'd sunk a lot of money, twenty million dollars for nineteen eighties. That's is, is pretty serious. That's fucking crazy. Serious coin, and you can. They actually shot the movie on the streets of NYC, yeah. like. Washington Square Park, Wall Street. No movie shoots in New York anymore, you know? And they actually are walking. There's Bruce Jenner and Valerie Perrine walking in front of the UN and standing in front of the Empire State Building. I mean, it's actually kind of impressive. It is. That costs a lot of money to do that kind of stuff. It made $2 million. Jesus. Against the budget of $20 million. (laughs) 
which is you know ratio wise is like a 200 million movie making 20 million you know what i mean like if this is bomb yeah big time you make a disco movie that comes out in 1980 right <laughs> that's really bad time you're a little behind the time the original title was actually disco land where the music never ends and the, like that title was already out of date by the time the movie <laughs> came out so they renamed it can't stop the music so corky let me ask you okay yeah and i have a question and this is going to get down to the essence of everything that this movie is about everything that i'm about everything that you're about <laughs> everything that connects everything in the world my question is this can you stop the music <laughs> and if you can can you tell me how because i can't stop the music and i'm scared <laughs> nobody can stop the you music you can't stop the music. Nancy Walker couldn't stop the music. <laughs> Steve Gutenberg couldn't stop the music. <laughs> Steve Gutenberg special can't guest stop stars. The, music. the Ritchie family could not stop the music. <laughs> you you will want to stop the music. Absolutely, yeah. You will want to stop the the, the movie. The movie. Yeah. You will want to stop processing thoughts that come up. Absolutely. Due to this movie, but you cannot stop any no. of that. So let's get right into the movie. Actually, before we do, I have one more great bit of trivia about right. this movie, which is that Baskin Robbins created a tie-in ice cream flavor. For the film, this is when Baskin Robbins would create flavors for movies. Yeah. Can't stop the nuts. <laughs> and that would prove prophetic. That's um, actually the title of the Village People's third album. Can't stop the nuts. Yeah. So, uh, opening shot of the movie. Corky, tell me what the fuck I'm looking at here. You are watching... <laughs> what is happening? A record store sales happening. People running all around this record store. So you the, got a record store, a guy working there on roller skates. Yeah, which is Steve Gutenberg. And dick bulges and pants. <laughs> this is the most <laughs> 70s thing ever. Yeah. Like, if if cocaine could be a movie, it yeah. was that scene. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's the entire movie. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Steve Gutenberg is the man on roller skates at the record store. His name is Jack Morell. Yeah. Gutenberg's character is named Jack Morell. Yeah, I found Did you see who yeah. the name of the songwriter is? Jacques Morelli? Jacques Morelli. <laughs> <laughs> Thinly veiled. <laughs> so there, he's working at this record store. He's zipping around on roller skates. Everyone is like out of their minds. And yeah. this is what it, like this crazy energy that this movie starts it, with and can't possibly sustain and doesn't. He's go he's full Gutenberg in this. Oh my god. Yeah. And and let me tell you like Gutenberg typically is not the kind of actor who you're like, "Hey Goot, bring it up a bit." <laughs> you know, like hey, he's not, you don't need to encourage him to overact. I thought you were with me on this thing, Gutenberg. <laughs> right, I know. Come on, Goot, bring something to the table, like bug your eyes and like shake around. How is the audience going to know that you're coked out? <laughs> right? You're if not you, shouting every line. You're not pumping a part of your body at all times. The veins on Gutenberg's <laughs> neck. Did you see that? He's just, and it's just him talking to his boss. He's not like screaming or anything, but like bulging, like out of control. I thought his throat was literally just going to burst. Yeah. We're at this record store where this whole frenzy is going on, right? A woman is standing in line and everyone's just like wigging out for some reason. They're just buying records, but they're wigging out. And she just yells, I got to go. This is crazy. <laughs> she, just, she just takes off. Like, she gets to the front of the register and is just like, oh, I can't handle it. It's like a shark feeding frenzy if the sharks were all coked out people so in the 70s. Insane. So, yeah, uh, Jack says, Quits his take job. this job and shove it, which instantly starts this, like, music video. It's the credit sequence, the opening credit sequence. He's, which is fantastic. He's skating down the streets of New York. <laughs> he's 
pumping his fists in the air. Any shot that's not tight on him is this body double who's a full foot taller than him doing cartwheels down the street. And it's done as like this triptych of images. It's like a split screen image, right? Yeah. So it's like three. So he, you'll have two Gutenbergs on one side and then yeah. you'll have the stunt skater on in the middle like doing all the tricks and stuff. But yeah, Gutenberg is just... He's orgiastic going he down the street. He's ecstatic. He's ecstatic. He's just quit his job. He's pointing at people. He's pumping his fists in the air. He's celebrating. He's and this just, is like live shooting on the streets of New York. Yes. He's, he's skating down uh, Times Square. He's skating down There's by Washington so Park. There's so much that they must have cost them to shut this, the whole city down. Half the streets are just staring at Steve Gutenberg skate by. <laughs> and then also we see our other lead, Valerie Perrine, and her boobs make an appearance. <laughs> Miss Tessmacher! <laughs> well, she's like a huge supermodel who basically said, what, much like Steve Gutenberg said, just take this job and shove it. She's yeah. quit. Yeah. She's quit the industry. And when Gutenberg rolls up to her for the first time, he says, are you trying to audition for the role of Miss Piggy? Because she's eating food and she's a model. Right? <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. Our hero fat shames our heroine in the in his opening. opening. <laughs> <laughs> the first, first time they meet. He kind of like lives with her. Yeah. She calls him a little brother. Yeah. Although he, he, the first song that he writes is called Samantha and seems to be kind of a love song for her, but that doesn't really, no, that's not really a it's thing. It's coded and uh, sanitized that this is a young gay man who's moved to the village right. and living with a woman, and it's platonic that they live in the same yeah, place. Yeah, right. right? Uh, the Indian, as much as it pains me to call a Hispanic man in cut-off chops and full-length pink feather headdress <laughs> an Indian and not a Native American, he is referred to as the Indian. That's what they call him. That's Indian. just what they call him. Yeah. This Hispanic man pretending to be a Native American. But as we're learning with the trouble with Apu, just because it was right back then doesn't make it right <laughs> right now. Right. I'm pretty sure it wasn't right back then. Yeah, no, probably not. <laughs> I don't think that was he never right. isn't, he's never wearing more than high cut off booty shorts yeah. and bells yeah. with a full headdress. He's never clothed more than that. Yeah. So he's like kind of snuck into her apartment, which she's cool with. She's just like, whatever, this is the village. This yeah. is Greenwich Village. Let's do whatever. He is like dancing to no music. Right? Right? Like, like, this is how you psychotic everyone is. Just stop straight the up, music, like, literally, Daniel. like, the music isn't going <laughs> no. and you can't stop it. Like, you can't stop the dancing you can't either. Can't stop the anything music associated. And he delivers every line like you expect a member of the village people probably right? would yes. deliver every line. <laughs> they were, they didn't get famous for acting. No. He's reciting the script. You know what their performances reminded me of? When you go to like Disneyland or something uh-huh. and like people are wearing like giant masks so they you they're not talking like they're wearing like a Winnie the Pooh head. Yeah. But they're doing like a show and there's like pre-recorded dialogue and stuff, but they have <laughs> like cuz they're not moving a mouth so they have to like act with their body, you yeah. know? So like if they're excited, they need to wave their hands in the air, right? Yeah. You know, and if they're sad, they need to slump their shoulders. That's what their acting reminded me of, as though like we couldn't see their faces and they somehow had had to get it across. Yeah, I have a feeling like they had to slather peanut butter or cocaine and peanut butter to get to certain <laughs> spots on the set. He, <laughs> just, he didn't know what he was saying. He He's, wouldn't move his mouth, so he just put a little coke on his gums. And then there's a scene where Steve Gutenberg tells Indian to go get his bike, and it's like a 10 to 15 second shot of just the <laughs> Indian walking out to grab a bike off a porch and bring it inside yeah. and give it to Steve Gutenberg. That is that whole scene. So good. It's Gutenberg's kind of big thing is that supposedly he would go to dental school if he oh, if right. he's not a success. But his mom is also like a rabid supporter who just loves everything about music. So I don't know what she's my favorite character in the movie. That's a thing that doesn't really come up. This movie, the ADR on this movie, like yes. the, the nonstop stream. It, it's like playing Grand Theft Auto. It's like a nonstop stream of background dialogue. Yep. Right. 
as he's getting ready, you hear Steve Gutenberg in the, in the background yell, oh boy, one hot night coming up. <laughs> That's the line. Like, to himself. Steve, just go with it. Just go with it. Say whatever you're thinking. <laughs> oh boy, one hot night coming up. Hold on, let me get that again. <laughs> There's so much product placement in this movie, too. Like, there's never a product that's not turned facing the camera. Dr. Pepper Dr. Can't. Pepper is There's this whole weird Everyone thing with her and her contact Pepper. lenses. Like, one soaks in mustard, one soaks in relish. <laughs> Did you catch that? She always goes and gets these two things out of her fridge, and she has to remind herself the left one goes in mustard, the right one goes in relish. Wow. Yeah. The level of hijinks in this movie. Oh, yeah. So this really should be like 80 minutes long. Tops, right? Uh, it's absolutely. 124 minutes, absolutely. which is it's just bananas, right? Yeah. It just should be a tight, tight little movie, but it gets nonstop wrapped up in these ridiculous fucking hijinks <laughs> that are so unfunny and so contrived. So we get to the club the, where Steve Gutenberg is going to be spinning his tunes, and we get our Jack Weston sighting, baby. I wrote... Capital letters, Jack, Jack fucking Weston. Weston. And he says the uh, immortal lines, relax, boogie. <laughs> He's so coked out. If you look, so his bad. right eye is bloodshot. <laughs> Half of his right eye has burst There's blood There's no whites in there. There's no whites. <laughs> Indians. Did you catch the name of the club? Uh, was it like body? Saddle tramps. Saddle tramps. <laughs> <laughs> Might have been, should have been called the manhole. Relax, boogie. <laughs> Like they are handing out roofies at the door at this place. This place is like no one can keep their hands no. off each other. Uh, cowboy and the construction worker are there. Yeah. So like the village people are. So this is like what I'm saying. It's like an origin story, right? We met the, cowboy. We met the Indian, Indian? right? Yeah. And then uh, the construction worker and the cowboy. We are introduced. They're they're people who come into the club. Steve Gutenberg says, "I'm going to play your song," and then this awful fucking song that goes Samantha. Sa 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 Samantha. That starts playing. And people act like they like it. Gutenberg's neck veins are bulging like mad right and now. And if you think Gutenberg can dance, he cannot dance. <laughs> yeah, the first 30 minutes of this movie are Steve Gutenberg professing how much he wants to make music, yeah. how his dream is music, and then every time someone tells him a way to do it, he shits on him. Oh my God. And he like... denies it. And he says no. And he says he can't do it. Right? He's such an asshole. Um <laughs> There's so yeah, the song Samantha plays, the crowd goes absolutely nuts. Valerie Perrine and a construction worker have like a super sexy dance together. She is like pushes his head down into her crotch, he falls onto the ground, and then pops up and goes, Yeah. <laughs> and then they both start dancing with other people. <laughs> None of the men in this club like pussy at all, but it is like eighth grade freak train dancing. They're oh just grinding right? yes. genitals on each other. Oh, Really? She is like, that song was amazing. You can do this. You can do it. I'm going to use my industry connections. The 80s are going to be new and different, and yeah. you're going to be leading the charge. Absolutely. He uh, just shits on it. Whines. The, yeah. Uh, so she goes out and starts recruiting you know, the people who will become the village people. First and one? Is essentially saying, come over and we'll, we'll have a party together. Yes. Right? right. So yeah, the first one she meets is... Uh, Cowboys in line at a club or something. So she meets the Indian first. She meets the Indian. Oh, well, yeah, Indian first. But. but she goes to him, and then uh, she's like walking with the construction worker or something like It's a yeah, weird. I thought it was kind of a. I thought this was going to be a fun scene, like where she's going to. Every time she walks back and forth, it's going to be a new yeah. village person. No, that's not it's what happens. It's not. It happens once, and, and then it doesn't happen with yeah, the cowboy. Yeah, it goes cowboy to construction worker, and then some random guy who says no. And then there's like a guy with clothes who's like, what? That's a terrible that's idea. That's a fucking dumb idea. I got, it's like, he doesn't even have a character. Yeah, it is a dumb idea to get him to sing with a cop and an Indian. Then we have, so when she's talking to construction worker, he's on set because he's in commercials and stuff. So I guess she knows him from acting. 
And we have the worst musical number in the history of musical numbers. She visits him. He's on the set of some video. Yeah. And she's like, are you serious about singing? And it's like, well, he's on the set of the video. And then he's it, dressed like a construction he's worker. He's dressed like a construction on worker. The set. There's giant pipes everywhere. There's it's steam like, everywhere. It's like a Super Mario meets Robert Palmer fever dream. Yeah, exactly. There's these beautiful women everywhere, and they're just trying to like rip his clothes off. <laughs> yeah. <a bunch> of <laughs> lipstick yes. And all these pipes. And, and it could not be more suggestive. Yeah, exactly. And all he does is repeat the words, I love you to death. I love you to death. This goes three and a half minutes. Yeah, it's a full music video. And then twist, it was all in his head. It was all in his head. It was all a dream. It comes back. She's like, hey, have you been listening to me? <laughs> we have these first few scenes of her kind of, you know, assembling the band, right? Yeah. This is where it goes into a series of scenes that, once again, I will call these scenes hijinks. Yeah. The first scene is the agent who is out on the streets. She's leaning over. I think she's getting into a car or something like that. She's leaning over a car, and an old woman walks up behind her and slaps her on the bottom with a piece of bread, apropos of nothing. And then the agent grabs the bread and slaps her back. Yeah. That's like a comedy bit. <laughs> and it, it's not just her that it happens to. It happens a couple times. People getting slapped with bread. Then we have uh, the first introduce, uh, introduction of Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah. Uh, uh, sorry. So, well, I just want to say that I'll probably sometimes say bruce jenner just because i've spent 35 years knowing him as bruce or knowing that person as bruce jenner yeah absolutely i'm fully supportive of anybody who wants to be whatever they want to be in the world definitely and i'm glad she found herself fuck your politics but i'm glad she found herself but i'm used to seeing that person as bruce jenner absolutely so i might slip into that no yeah. offense and to the credit Mets. is bruce jenner and yes. this is we're talking 1980 here exactly you know, no so. offense meant um but yeah this is the first scene where uh ron <laughs> Is introduced. Okay, so this was my first legit belly laugh at this movie. I really cracked up at this part. He's walking down the street, and he's obviously a fish out of water in the village yeah. in, in New York. Supposed he's to wearing be, a full suit. He's wearing a full suit in, carrying in Greenwich Cape Village, box. you know. Yeah, and we see what's supposed to be a full, uh, an old woman, a frail old woman, but mm. it's obviously a stuntman in old woman garb get run over by a moped in the street and just yeah. collapse. He says, "Oh my God, somebody help! It's New York. Nobody's helping." He runs to her aid. <laughs> And I fucking snorted laughing because she just stands up. She goes, hands up, shithead, and <laughs> drops down on him with the fucking Sig She's Sour right to yeah. his belly. And so he gets taken for his wallet. She says, oh, fuck your cake. cake. And then speeds off on the moped. Takes off on a moped yeah. that's being driven by the guy who's the mascot for Devo or something. This scene happens in the middle of the day. Yeah. In the middle of a crowded street. And we can see hundreds of people watching from the side because they're just shooting in New York. Yeah. Right? There's literally no reason for a motorcycle to run her over. If her whole plan is just get someone to stand near me and then put a gun in them and then rob them in front of just the general public, just walk up to him. <laughs> like, you don't even need to do anything. <laughs> if that's your whole plan, proximity is the entire part of your plan. You don't need to get someone to get run over yeah. and have someone hover over you before you do that that's true she's she fucking, could rob anyone she, she actually broken she actually bones. chose an olympic decathlete to rob <laughs> <laughs> like she literally could have robbed any person this man can run for 26 miles then do gymnastics yeah and then we have a, yet another hijinks this is the phone booth bit which is the phone booth the agent goes into a phone booth a rotary phone booth and sticks her finger in the hole in the rotary, and it gets stuck, yeah. and she can't get it out, and she's there for like hours. And that's, that's the bit. That's the bit. She's it's, stuck in a phone booth with her fingernail. It's in. one of those things where, like, okay, you want to do a little comedy bit in the midst of all these musical numbers? Do one or two things, make it one or two minutes long. This is like ten 
to 15 minutes of comedy bits like stacked end to end yeah. for no reason. It's With just, people who shouldn't be doing this. Right. You know, they're not Bruce just, Jenner is asked to do a lot of the heavy lifting as uh, far as the comedy in yeah, this movie. And that's not up. something you want. We'll get to the Steve Gutenberg Valley Perrine, <laughs> Bruce Jenner, lasagna on the Oh, pants the lasagna. Yeah. Samantha's friend, who is the assistant to the agent, is horny. Yeah. So they're going to have this party to kind of audition all the singers for this group that's going to become the village people. And, and she sees the Indian and she is just loses it. Sploosh! Her it actual is, line. Yeah. Let me say this. And let me just say, this is the dialogue said by a character because this is some racist ass <laughs> shit. She says, dripping wet. <laughs> you tell him I'll make up for all the indignities they suffered in Roots. <laughs> <laughs> she says this to a Hispanic man pretending to be a Native American. <laughs> Oh my god! Everyone's yeah. good to go, but she's but like, she is like a, a level above everyone. She's like that Rachel Dratch character in Saturday Night Live because she's throwing it at every member of the village people, and they're like, ah, they're not purchasing what you're selling, sister. <laughs> Jack is high. Oh, the cop shows. This is up. where the cop shows up, and then Jack gets paranoid around the cop. Yeah. So if you don't know the village people, they ha- they were very homosexual male stereotype, yeah. fantasy stereotypes. Exactly. There was a cop. There was a GI man. There was an Indian, a cowboy. Everyone was wearing cutoffs. Yes. Most of them had a mustache. They sang songs like Macho Men, YMCA, yeah. Places You Find Boys. So anyway, that's that's when we say cop. For people of our generation, we know exactly who we're talking about. Right, right, right. So the cop shows up with his friend. She's like, hey, I know you auditioned for singers. This guy's been singing. Jack knows him from Washington Square Park. <laughs> But, no, it's the soldier. Oh, that's the soldier. Sorry. Ooh, racist. Uh, no, hey. Whoa. She, black same, people are the same. But it's the same. Because I, I, I noticed that it's the same black character who introduces both other black characters. <laughs> then we meet Jack's mom, and she's a Broadway star. Yeah. She is. Thinks her boy's a genius. Yes. And every story she has is about the great white way and that kind of stuff and uh-huh. how things were different back then. <laughs> Everybody's at this party. Now we got our next musical number, Magic Night. In the promotion of this movie, they gave Valerie Perrine a, a full hour show on NBC called Magic <laughs> yeah, Night, right. where they did the song. Nice. And I just remember, imagine sitting there in 1980 going, what the fuck right, is this? Yeah. <laughs> this is the part where I second belly laughed. Bruce Jenner's been going on and on about how he's been robbed and all this stuff, and he's in he's a stranger in New York City. During the song Magic Night, Cop is singing it, and when they cut to him singing to the table where Bruce Jenner's at, he's stands up he pulls out his wallet and keeps trying to show his id to him like he's gonna make a report to this cop singing to him and if it was intentional well done movie but if not while these musical numbers are happening like every once again everyone is like ecstatic all the time right like they are constantly like jazz handsing the camera so this magic night number actually ends with an overhead shot where everyone is around the picnic table, looks up at the camera, and throws out their arms towards the camera. But it's kind of slightly off-timed, yeah. so all their heads <laughs> pop up at different times, <laughs> and it's not the Busby Berkeley effect they no, were going for. No, you not know? exactly. But it all feel it all has that inspirational commercials of the era. It's like a Coke ad from the seventies. Yes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. everyone is just like loving the fucking... This whole movie was a Coke ad. Yeah, right? I mean, it is, but... We're almost halfway through the movie. This is the first time the village people have actually like sang together. GI's not there, and Leatherman yeah, is not there. Yeah, your man, Leatherman. Right we'll get to him. Okay, just so, uh, just an update. Leatherman, 
No. Not there. We're still searching for Leatherman. <laughs> searching for Leatherman. <laughs> so, uh, Leatherman homecoming. Oh, also, Bruce Jenner kind of freaks out at the party, and he is very unwoke and says, uh, you guys are all... These guys are weirdos. Yeah, you guys are all weirdos, and she kind of she kicks him out. She him. Yeah. yeah. They decide that they're going to hit up her ex, who's this bigwig movie producer, yes. uh, Paul Sands, uh, which you may know from Chuck and Buck. Sure. She are you just going to skip over this? What? Are you just going to skip over Steve Gutenberg's white overalls with no shirt? Oh, yeah. Were you just going <laughs> to let that go? That's obscene. I I made a very loud, uncontrollable retching sound. <laughs> he just pops on. He's just hanging out on the porch wearing white overalls and nothing else. He looks like the seventh member of the village people named Painter. <laughs> He's just wearing white overalls, nothing underneath, laying on the street. (laughs) I will say, this is the point of the movie where it all kind of came crashing down for me. This is where, like, I think the movie hits the wall and where it can't sustain it anymore. Up to this point, it's insane. Yeah. It's not good, but it's totally fun. I was laughing. I was smiling. I was not always laughing at things they wanted me to laugh at. Sure, right? right. But I was going along with it. Then we get to this scene, which goes on forever. And it essentially amounts to like a 10 or 15 minute long in, oh, in joke, yeah. right? She's going to this place called Marrakesh Records, which yeah. is a play on Casablanca Records. Okay. They even mention uh, Neil Bogart, who was the head of Casablanca Records. Casablanca was the record label for the village people. And there's even a scene at the end where they are talking to each other in song titles of Casablanca yes. record songs like You Light Up My Life. She actually says, well, you light up my life. Yeah. I mean, there's this whole thing where there's like, it's essentially one long advertisement. This scene goes on forever. And it's two people who, I mean, Neil Sand can kind of do comedy, but he can do one thing. And Valley Perrine cannot do comedy. Yeah. And it's just... All of this like energy and momentum that the film had like just comes crashing to a halt here. And it's kind of... It's hard for it to like fully come back from that, I think. So Bruce Jenner's character, who's named Ron White, he's conveniently at the office for some reason to meet with her, or her uh, the guy she's trying to talk to. Because he... It's just Works he's there? just standing out there. He's just him. there, right? Yeah, in New York, he sees on the second day in that he's there. The UN. He, he runs into her twice at the UN <laughs> building, and his apology is, "I'm a Gemini." There's two people inside of me. It's like Bruce. We know. Wow. <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> we know. So they go back to the apartment. Okay. And they're going to reheat up the lasagna. This is just so the lasagna she made for the dinner party. For some reason, the lasagna's in there cooking. Jack. She's like, they're reheating it. Samantha are talking. Yeah. And Bruce Jenner goes, I'll take it out. He takes it out. And then, wouldn't you know it, they bump into him and he gets hot lasagna all over his crotch. All over his crotch. Oh, and Bruce Jenner's comedy take, like his comedy face, is it's it's ghastly. Yes. And so then we have a funny bit where Valerie Perrine and Steve Gutenberg take off his pants while they're having a conversation. Yes. And his whole thing is just to act shocked. as this, Not that he could ever stop this Olympic decathlete could stop these two people from taking <laughs> off his pants if he wanted to. What's interesting about this is basically as soon as his pants come off, it's like, oh, we're going to fuck. Oh, yeah. We're good to go. I mean, like pants are off. Yeah. Pants are off. They're already off, man. Yeah. Like we're fucking. I carbo loaded last like, night. If your pants were on right now. I could see us not fucking, right? <laughs> but we're halfway there. So as soon as those pants come off, Gutenberg's like, I better vamoose. Yeah. And she gets into something saucy. It's fucking full on fuck sesh. And tells him, turn right, don't stop till morning. Which is, okay. Very awkward scene. <laughs> Very awkward scene. And again, 
like like the the scene with the the Casablanca the record executive so poorly timed uh, as opposed to this other, the rest of the movie which is like lightning fast like it's so full of energy and then I feel this is like this is the dip in the binge right this is like it's wearing off you like, didn't need this scene at all you could have bought their chemistry together without having them have this fuck scene you know somebody's got to fuck bro in this very gay movie <laughs> which i say as a positive you Absolutely. know it's awesome but fuck it why yeah. why does this scene need to exist so now we meet GI. you kids are dirty in my day we didn't do that <laughs> we didn't fuck after lasagna we had a lasagna <laughs> and then we knocked pastas you know what i mean i don't know i don't know why i was italian for that so now, so, we, meet, <laughs> now we meet gi now we meet the soldier yes which is this is i was like and so when the soldier came on, we have not met him yet, and they're just having a conversation, I was almost like, what the fuck? Are we like starting a whole different movie? <laughs> like, is this some Quentin Tarantino shit? Because, like, again, they're just walking down in the middle of... They're just walking down Wall Street. And this guy's dressed in full like military garb. Yep. He's dressed like uh, Lawrence Fishburne from Apocalypse Now. <laughs> and it's like, what is this, coming home? What are, what are we doing here? We finally see Leatherman at You're- the 65-minute mark... Of a 120-plus-minute movie. I want That's you, what you call disappointing the loyal fans. Yeah, all the listeners, I want you to understand, since we decided to do this movie, Dan has spoke about nothing but Leatherman. Simple franchise management, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. His Leatherman, he got you it. You cannot half- turn your back on the fans who have supported <laughs> Leatherman this long. <laughs> no, what I was actually fascinated was in doing research for this movie on IMDb, uh, he's actually... That's the name. That Leather was him. Man. Yeah. Leatherman yeah. is the name. So like the other ones are named the police officer cowboy. or the Indian or yeah. the cowboy. His name is not the motorcycle rider or the whatever. It's Leatherman. Okay. So he lived that persona. Like he full was a biker leather guy. And I don't know. This is kind of the saddest thing. He died in 2001. He was interred in his full leather biker wow. outfit. Wow. But not the first time he was buried. They dug him up, put him in that, and then reburied him. <laughs> what? What? So they buried him in normal clothes? Yes. And then <laughs> put him in his biker man shit, leather man shit, and then reburied him. As is stipulated in his will, the first a fake burial as well. And I- <laughs> <laughs> they followed it to the letter. Oh, yeah. Now I got to have a fake Listen, burial. Put me in a suit. Just bury me normal. <laughs> then I need you to... Exhume me. <laughs> I want an old priest. Take and a my young rotting priest. corpse. Put it in some leather. But I think that's proof that you cannot stop the music. You can't stop the music. No. Even it, when you are dead, yeah. the music will not be stopped. When the zombie apocalypse hits, he's gonna be leather man. <laughs> he's right there. <laughs> so we have this huge casting call for macho singers uh, or just acts coming in the law library. <laughs> And you he pops into the waiting room, which is like all men twirling batons. Oh, it's, like <laughs> it's middle-aged like hundreds men. Hundreds of men twirling batons. Twirling batons. The office is a crazy scene, all right? Men are twirling batons everywhere. As they go into the office, you can hear someone singing a song, I'm a singing juggler. I'm a singing juggler. And sure enough, we finally pan over to someone who is clearly not singing the singing juggler song because he has a very thin, reedy voice. 
And he has these like cardboard knives. Yeah, that they're so done. not real. They're so bad. It's like a twenty million dollar movie. You could have done anything with that. Bruce Jenner's character is Ron White. We meet his mom and dad. They come up and she names the village people. She's like, "Oh, these village they're people." From, yeah, exactly. So, and but his his father's very disappointed. Oh, and yeah. This does not fit our image as uh, you know Lily White. These middle aged men people. twirling batons out in the waiting room. Uh, we also get one other person who runs in for his audition who Hold sings on. a song called "Body Body." Oh yeah. No, that, <laughs> there's yeah. a song called "Body Body." which is him lifting weights and stripping yep that's it uh, much. and everybody looks at him like oh they're like, into it the village people roll their eyes like they are anybody <laughs> to critique I know, right? what i love is uh leatherman like strides into the room because he's supposedly there to uh, take care of a ticket or something like that something else and they, they say who are you and he says i'm from the bronx i'm glenn <laughs> like only people from the bronx or brooklyn would lead with where they're from before their name like <laughs> i'm from sacramento i'm daniel <laughs> like, where, who else would be like name your state place of origin first anyway so yeah he uh he finds out it's instantly an yeah it's an audition well sass it up and he jumps up on the piano and starts singing danny boy the pipes, the pipes, they are uh, calling. Takes a little sip of Dr. Pepper at the end. That's just true. to keep those pipes calling. Um, but it's the best Danny Boy since Miller's Crossing. I <laughs> definitely. So, yeah, he gets hired. Ron essentially quits. Yeah, he can't take firm. his dad's uptight bullshit. He, he, he says, this country's overtaxed and so am I. And the next shot is him walking hold down on, the street. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You cannot do this yet. What? Because he quits. Then a man in a gold-made oh, booty shorts walks in and says... I'm James and Flames are game. Flames my game gets up on the piano and starts twirling flaming batons in his gold lame sparkly shorts. Yeah. Sets, sets off, off the, the sprinklers. sprinklers. Yeah. Oh, I told you we'd be washed Crazy. out. So in that scene, Bruce Jenner is dressed in a suit, he's uptight, he's in a Which the entire time he's wearing boring ass gray suit he says this country's overtaxed and so am I. the next scene next scene he's walking down the street with the village people wearing a cut off t-shirt t-shirt cut out the midriff and cut off shorts everyone in this movie is wearing at least two cut off articles of clothing his pecs you can see on the underside of his shirt and his balls you can see yeah. on the underside of his shorts yeah. that's how tight they are he's wearing less than the village people <laughs> he really is. but he's just strutting down the street he's with embraced Gutenberg, it Perrine, yeah. the village people and where do they go they to, go to the ymca to the baby. ymca so now, this is their practice space that they're going to practice in and so we get a, essentially a music video of ymca uh with a lot of slow motion wrestling and sort of fight it, dancing oh my god dude this is okay it does not surprise me that the longest montage in the movie is a slow motion montage of men working out sex boxing yes, i called it sex. wrestling then we have full frontal male nudity yeah uh, several times there's a ton of old musical and old movie references in this earlier in the film valerie perrine stops a taxi by pulling up her skirt and showing a leg yeah right out of it happened one night like we said these movies are straight up uh, let's put on a show type musicals out of uh, they mentioned Judy Garland and Mickey Rooney. This scene is straight out of Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, which has this amazing scene where Jane Russell is singing a very sexy number. She's a very beautiful woman. And all of these men are like working out in a gym behind her, paying her no mind whatsoever. <laughs> and this movie takes that kind of to the next level. With yeah, actual, because you like, have penises, legit 20 men showering <laughs> Just- together. Uh, and like half a dozen dudes in a hot tub with Valerie Perrine. And they're very enthusiastically talking to each other, looking at each other. Yeah, yeah. And my favorite part of this whole thing is Jenner dunking a basketball. 
There's a slow motion thing of him just rising and then throwing it down. Yeah, this was so great. That's like their rehearsal. So now they're going to go and go into the studio and essentially play for the record exec. And Samantha's friend Lulu is still trying to throw. She's still just horny as shit. She's trying to throw V at the VP. Oh, boy. Yeah. But the VP like P. (laughs) (laughs) What I love is that a common theme in the movie that she repeats over and over is that this is the 80s. Yeah. The 80s is new. The 80s is now. The 80s is going to be different. And that is embodied by the village people. Yeah. Like the most quintessentially 1970s group you can <laughs> yeah. imagine. <laughs> but this is where I think the movie takes its like third bump of coke because it picks up and just steamrolls <laughs> yes. to the end. So they're going to play a song for the record exec. Yes. They decide, <laughs> here's a questionable decision, they decide not to, to do YMCA for this right. man who's hearing them for the first time. They're like, you know what? Let's do some of our B-side, you know, some of our darker shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, so they play a song called Liberation. One, I mean, we we had a full improvised, <laughs> like, orchestrated... I think you nailed that one, guys. at like, the gym. That's the one to really make public, I think. Now we're doing Liberation. Liberation. None of us know the moves. We don't know the song. What is the song? The moves, yeah. And only like two of them can dance anyway. Yeah. Construction worker can't dance. Indian dances all the time. Cowboy can do one move. He can do that Patrick Swayze Chippendales yeah. where he's walking and swinging his yeah, arms yeah. back and forth. And then G.I. is really tall and skinny, so he doesn't really look right. Mm. It's supposed to convey, the movie conveys that it's it's not going well, they're fucking it up, but it sounds just like sounds anything fine, else. Sounds fine, right? Yeah. Like, sounds like, what, what's Nothing funny is that this, this really seasoned you know, record executive is like, hmm, their choreography is not great. I'm not going to record this record. That's the tipping point. There's a woman trying to fuck them in the middle of this song. Hmm. <laughs> so he says no, he passes. Oh, and there was feedback from the microphone, too. That's so right. there's, oh, feedback. Who are these amateurs? So then she gets a, the bright idea. She's going to go... Back into the supermodel game. So yep. once again, she's going to just do something that she has found to be morally repugnant for Steve Gutenberg so that he can send his vision out through the world. So she's going to do this Dairy Council ad, and she's going to use it as a vehicle to promote the village people. So, Quirky, how does she do that? She does a commercial. <laughs> this is a fucking, oh, this is my third legit belly laugh at this movie. She does a commercial for milk. This is the Dairy Council. For for the Dairy Council. (laughs) But it's drinking milk. And she calls in children to come drink their milk. And in run... Six little baby village people. Six little village peoplets. (laughs) One dressed like leather kid. There is a leather leather kid. (laughs) He's full biker leather. No older than eight. Yeah, they're really young kids. I was crying laughing at this. And what's crazy is I went back and watched it. So she's pouring milk. Okay. This is, again, Valerie Perrine, very sexy woman. She's booksome and, I mean, not afraid to show it off. Right? Yeah. The kids are looking at her pour that milk yes. with such eagerness. Yes. It is, it's dirty. It's a money shot. It's I think a one of shock. them licks their lips. <laughs> These are children there's a child dressed in leather there's a little leather child (laughs) licking his lips watching a grown woman pour milk but anyway that milk it makes a body grow fast because out pop the village people fully grown now singing a song called milkshake do the milkshake do the shake do the shake yeah it's so fucking 70s 80s it's like very beauty school dropout kind Uh of look you know it's just like everything else they just say the words over again do the shake shake, do the shake chocolate vanilla strawberry (laughs) So they watch the ad on TV. Uh, Ron is... It's a hit. 
the, the horny friend calls it chic and tasteful. <laughs> like, <laughs> she would. It's a straight up song about drinking semen. She tried to suck but, off two doormen on the tasteful. way there. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's called Too Controversial. For the family values of the uh, Dairy Council. So, so what happens? They're stuck again. So once again, back comes this goddamn record executive, and we get yet another long, static scene of just hijinks. Yeah. Like, he's getting on his private plane. Gutenberg and his mom jump on there. Okay. Can I call something anti-Semitic if I'm not Jewish? I'm oh, sure. Why not? Because this felt very anti-Semitic. It's super anti-Semitic. Absolutely. He jump on and they basically lure him with Jewish food and with a quasi Jewish mother. Yes. Uh, Gutenberg says his mother is she's Italian, uh, but his mom was Jewish, so she's his got dad a little. Was Jewish. Or his dad was Jewish, so she's got the, all the all the great you know mothering uh, cultures, um, and she basically is just plying this, this guy with with uh, matzo and matzo and tr- yeah all these uh, you know Jewish foods. And he eventually melts and decides, okay, yes. The, the, All while they're haggling over business. They're haggling that, over. That and, felt very right, anti-Semitic. Yeah. Because, uh, so they were fighting over T-shirt rights, and the mom was like, no, we're, we'll take this, and we'll get, we'll get the lunchboxes, and you get the T-shirts, and, but, oh, give me more matzah. Yeah. Yeah. And it ends with both of them asleep on her lap. Yeah. Oh, no, one is asleep on her lap. The record executive. Well, yeah, he's, he's asleep, asleep on, on her, her lap, and, yeah, which is almost uh, more upsetting yeah. for Gutenberg to be nuzzling with his mother. And then they look out the window, and Zegazun, they're in San Francisco. They're San Francisco. Which, and- just a side note, they showed the San Francisco sky- skyline 35 years ago, but it looks so different. Or 38 oh, right. years ago, but it looks so different. Right. It's. I mean, it's a different city now. Absolutely. I mean, Transamerica Pyramid was like that was it. The, the tallest building. There's in the Coit city. Tower in Transamerica. Yeah. That's all you see. Anyway, they look out and they say, "There's magic in the world." And then we jump down to the scene. So they're. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly. I kind of lost the plot at this point, but I'm not exactly sure how have, everyone winds up in San Francisco. They're having a big coming out because they're gonna have a big show, but. He jumps down off the plane, and he's all stoked because he, this is supposed to be like their big show. Yeah. But he jumps down off the plane, and is like, look, I got guaranteed side contracts. Yep. Everything's fine. We've Every, done it all. Everything just wraps up. Like, you just end. totally, like, ripped out the whole, like, any potential for drama in the movie, right? <laughs> to just be like, this is the big performance. No, it isn't. It I isn't. Think this means nothing. They just realized that their eight ball was almost gone, and they're like, holy shit, we need an ending for this. <laughs> right. Have them play San Francisco. The Richie family, whoever they are, is performing these... Three very talented women are singing on stage. They're the opening act. We're backstage with the village people. Every All the characters are now there for some reason. Samantha and Ron make up. Jack, Steve Gutenberg. He Goober, proposes. He proposes. Yes, he proposes. <laughs> he fucking proposes. Jack is still denying that he can do this, even though it's fucking... He already has the record contract. Yes. He keeps saying... He actually keeps saying, we got it. Signed and guaranteed contracts. And then he's still like, okay, when they go out to do the big song, it's like, this is make it or break it time. <laughs> like, no, it isn't. That was a long time ago. We Oh, this is the only time we see Indian actually put on pants. He puts on pants, and then the next scene you see him, he's in fucking G-string. <laughs> they all hold hands, and they do their little pre-show ritual. And then he yells, we're a group. Gutenberg holds their hands and says, we're a group. And then and, there's the live show at the end, which is the song, Can't Stop the Music. And here's the thing. It's the most boring of all the musical numbers. The other one sucked, but this is the most boring. It's just It's them. just straight up like like they're shooting a live show. It's it. That's it. Yeah. They put all this stuff in, and then this should be the biggest moment. I will say they're all wearing their 
glitter versions of their outfits. That's true. There is yeah. a glitter army fatigues. There's a glitter cop outfit. Everyone is glittered. Yep. Even the the Indian uh, has a full length pink. Well, they use every feather. part of the glitter. <laughs> <laughs> so. Ron Wright, Samantha, Jack Morell are up above them watching them dancing. All, every character that's been in the movie, even the shitty manager, comes on stage and dances with the village people. The crowd looks unenthused. Yeah. They, don't, they don't look like they could give a shit. Yeah. And uh, mercifully... Yeah, glitter rains down. It, it's sort of like, again, this is kind of an old-fashioned, like, bring everyone out for one last number. This is a, sort of the bring on, uh, everyone on stage during the final How musical How great number. would it have been if they did, like, a Bollywood-type dance ending? <laughs> Can you stop the music? No, you can't. Because it goes through the fucking credits. No, because the song, you think it's over, and then, nope, everybody's keeps going. Can't everybody's stop the name music. is in glitter. Yeah. That's Can't Stop and the Music. And that's Can't Stop the Music. That's the, that's the history of how the Village People started. I, I think it's one of the better documentaries we've reviewed on the oh, show. Oh, it's a pure documentary. <laughs> it's <laughs> hard-hitting, just electrifying stuff. When I was watching this, all I could think about was when I remember when I found out the Village People were gay. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, no, what? No, yeah. what are you talking about? There's a construction worker. You That's know what I mean? That's the manliest thing you can be. <laughs> right. And I just watch it now. It's like, oh, fuck. Okay. Oh, we skipped one scene where mm. um, we're not going to go in too far into it. But there's a scene where Bruce Jenner and Steve Gutenberg are supposedly drunk having lunch. And they're the cutest couple in the whole movie. Oh, they're adorable. They're, they're all right... drunk on sangria. Yes. They're all just like goofing around and they're and leaning Bruce on each Jenner other. And Bruce Jenner is going for he it in that scene. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that is Can't Stop the Music, directed by the great Nancy Walker. Yeah. Um, any last thoughts on the movie before we, we give our ratings? Anything else you want to throw I'll out? I'll be there? honest. Um, the fact that this is shown every New Year's yeah. in Australia on <laughs> Channel 9, like it's their national treat. Uh-huh. Um, That's amazing. I think that tells you a little something about Australia. Yeah. I mean, they were convicts. Yes. Right? I think, you know, I think the word camp is is important to to bring up with this movie because, you know, I think this is one of the more, certainly probably the funnest movie that we've watched so far. Yeah. Maybe the most entertaining. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of energy, especially at the beginning, but two hours plus, it gets to be really punishing. Yes. Like really punishing. Like yeah. this should this should be a fun, light, frothy thing but instead it's like you really got to dig into this movie and the thing is the musical numbers are the worst part of the movie like the rest of the movie is the funnest yeah i do i i i can't that i i can't take the music (laughs) you can't stop the music god damn it no i i thought the musical numbers were were, again not great but i think like they had a lot of energy and they were fun and they were professional to me, where this movie just dies is in those really long comedy sequences. If you want to do a 30-second Benny Hill-esque blackout bit kind of thing, like, great. Like, that is what should be in here. But instead, you have these song, these scenes that go on for, like, 10 minutes of people just fumbling around with a phone or with a lasagna yeah. or with, what you know. And no comedic timing. Barber- yeah, exactly. And, I mean, we're talking about Bruce Jenner and Valerie Perrine and Steve Gutenberg, you know, like, not, not our greatest comedians. No. Not, and, uh, so, yeah. Anyway, let's get into the ratings of, the sh- of it. So it's kind of a difficult one to rate, I it think. It is. Uh, our ratings, just to give you a reminder, a dare is your run-of-the-mill bad film. A double dare is a very, very bad film. And the reverse dare is a movie that we actually kind of like. Corky, how would you rate Can't Stop the Music? I'm going to call it a double dare just because that's kind of like our highest rating for people who like bad films. Like, right. It's so bad, you'll have fun watching it. That's yeah. that's why I'm going to call it a double dare. Because it's it's 
A Dare is a movie that's like, whatever, what the fuck. This is a movie that's like, hey, you guys want to watch this movie? Yeah. That's, like it's crazy bad. It's not good. I'm never going to say it's good. I, I would almost see I'm. The issue is it's hard to call this movie run of the mill, right? Yeah. Although I think that's the rating that probably fits where I'm at the most. It's it's something where I feel like Theodore Rex is a movie that is like next level bad, but is also like I would never want to actually subject anyone to see that. Yeah, that's I, some people I would actually want to be like you should watch this movie because it's really fucking no. Nuts. Yeah, you know Double I mean? Dare, and it's kind of fun too. Whereas uh, T- Theodore Rex was just a nonstop uh, punishing slog. So I'm gonna go reverse. Dare. Oh shit! Yeah. Oh shit! It happened. Fuck you, bro. Yeah, I'm going reverse there on this one. Again, I will say the length is punishing, so don't feel like you gotta be a hardcore cinephile and just sit through this movie not without a pause. Take a break. Stop the music <laughs> if you can. But yeah, if you're on the level of this movie, it is. It's totally fun. It's it, it's a total blast. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. I just to me, it's just the insane energy that everyone has, where they're all just about to like burst through the camera and just like grab you by the balls and start dancing with you. You know, yeah. like it's so bad, it's really kind of good. Which I, which is what I think it is. I'm surprised. And eleven movies in, we've got your first reverse dare. But That's I should have right. known because you're dressed in full leather gear. I mean, you came in here with a biker handlebar mustache, right? Okay, unrelated to, to any of this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I should have known something was up. That but... level of profiling is actually <laughs> what the problem is. <laughs> but no, that's great. I'm really happy to hear. I'm really happy to hear that you have found a reverse dare, dude. I would say this movie is, for lack of a better word, fun. You'd recommend it. I would say if you want something fun and stupid... This is the one to watch. Sure. So that's all we have for you on this episode of Dare Daniel, but we'll be back in two weeks with another full review, and the music will not be stopped. Be sure to check our mini-episode next week for a preview of the upcoming Dare Daniel review, and we're going to have more talk about your dares and bad movies in general. Once again, thank you, Dan Scott, for this recommendation. Uh, sleep with one eye open, because I'll be coming for you, brother. Follow Dare Daniel Pod on Twitter and Instagram, and you know, send a dare there if you want to, uh, but we have a spot on the website where you can submit one. You can read more of my movie reviews in the Sacramento News and Review and at newsreview.com. And you can read my craft beer column in the Sacramento Bee and at sacbee.com. Corky, where can people find more of your leather work? You can find more of my leather work on Twitter at Corky Knievel. Uh, send me emails at Corky Knievel at Gmail. Let me know what you think about the show and what else we should be doing. Listen to Serious Talk Seriously with Johnny Flores. All right. For Dare Daniel, I'm Daniel Barnes. Our producer is Johnny Cowboy Flores. And I'm Corky McDonald saying, do the milkshake. (laughs) Stop the music.